whatever it is people put on their bread, uh, but that the bread that Jesus talks about is way more important than that bread. And I just want you to imagine that this morning, that we all know how important bread is. We all know how important water is. You know, if you go more than a few hours without bread or water or food, you just, you start to get hungry, you start to get shaky. But what Jesus says is that there's something more important than even that. And that is what today is all about. It's about a group of people who are following Jesus, but they're not interested in bread. They're only interested in the bread that is easy and accessible and will fill their stomachs for a little bit. And so what I want to do today is just to work through uh, these few verses. And what we'll find is that there's a group of people, they have chased Jesus down, they've been seeking him, and, uh, and they find him, and they go back and forth three times. And I don't know if you've ever seen two parties that like don't quite see eye to eye, or two people who aren't quite connecting with each other. <laughs> I'm reminded that Anna and I were like uh, out to eat, uh, I don't know, a few months ago now, and we kind of accidentally overheard uh, <laughs> uh, some people sitting down in the booth across from us, and it was like an older couple, and they had met online, uh, and this was like their first in-person meeting, and we're not nosy people, but we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't stop looking, right? We like, is it going to work out? Are they going to connect? And this guy was trying so hard. He was, oh, he, I was rooting for him. He was, he was just working so hard. And, you know, is it going to connect? And, you know, today I want to give you the, the, I want to give you the permission to be that nosy booth center, uh, sitter that's kind of listening over, seeing what's going to happen because, remember, the, the crowd, they're just, they're not hearing what Jesus is saying. And it's not connecting. And actually, by the end, the verses today, I think there's actually a little tension here. Um, and so that's, um, that's how we're going to spend our time today, sort of just making some observations about this crowd seeking Jesus for the wrong reasons. But at the end of it, Jesus makes this wonderful uh, declaration about himself that he is the bread they're looking for. as everything that they ever want and, and more. And um, so, sorry, my Britney Spears mic is acting up. Um, and so, uh, so today uh, I want to kind of end our time a little bit by just giving some encouragement about really feasting on that true bread and eating the rich bread together. So that's how we're going to spend our time today. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the text. Uh, Lord, we thank you for being a God who has intervened in our lives uh, and stepped into history. Lord, that you've sent your son for us. And and this morning, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would give us um, minds that would be able to see you, hearts that would uh, believe in you, Lord, that we would hear your voice, uh, Lord, and that just um, other desires in our hearts, other thoughts in our heads would, uh, Lord, you'd give us the wisdom and the ability just to put those things down for a little bit and to, to really lift our eyes and our minds um, on what's important this morning. And I pray as we do, Lord, that um, you would just teach us and, uh, and you would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the crowd today is filled with the wrong desires. They've seeked Jesus for the wrong reasons. And it uh, makes me kind of think too, I don't know if you've ever had somebody that's wanted to talk to you, but you figure out that the reason they want to talk to you isn't, uh, is because they want something from you or need something from you, uh, you know, and it's something like, I think, I don't know, the older you get, 
where you pick it up. Um, so I work here in the offices upstairs, and every once in a while um, we get call, well, uh, quite a bit, we get calls from people who sell software, people who sell paper, uh, printers, like anything really having to do with communication, because they know that the church communicates a lot. And so, uh, so we get a lot of cold calls and stuff like that. And they're always trying to figure out like who they need to talk to. Like, who is it that's going to be able to kind of, you know, tell them where we're at, but also, like, uh, do we want uh, an agreement with them? And um, can I get the handheld? I'm back. Uh, anyway, so this guy uh, calls the church, and uh, he had looked at our website, and uh, he thought I was the guy to talk to. So instead of really stating really who he was or what company he was with or what he wanted to talk about, he called and asked for Scott. And so... Um, so he said his name, and uh, his, for the sake of our story today, it will be John Smith. It was a common name, and I actually did know a John Smith back in college, and we were really good friends. Haven't talked to him for years. And so um, somebody came and was like, hey, Scott, John is on the phone for you? Sounds like he knows you, John Smith. And I was like, oh, I haven't talked to him since, really? You know, so I run into my office, I pick up the phone, and I'm like, hey, John, what's up, man? And on the other end of the phone, this guy, a much older guy, goes, ha, ha, ha. Oh, pastor, it sounds like you've had your oats this morning, right? And I figure out that's not, it's not my friend John, you know. And then I also felt like I couldn't hang up on him, right? Because then he knows I'm a pastor, and I, you're a pastor, you're not supposed to hang up on people. So I learned all about copiers and uh, learned some new things and tried to politely, and it's hard to decline. Uh, you know, these guys are so good. Anyway, um, this, this crowd today, they've seeked Jesus because they want bread. They, they want uh, what they're seeing from him. And, uh, but that's not what they say when they find him. Uh, and remember, they, they've been on the chase on the other side of the sea. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And that basically translates to something like, oh, you've had your oats today, pastor. They're just looking for him. They just want to talk to him. And you know what Jesus does? And I think this is kind of crazy. What he does is he just ignores their question altogether, and he elevates the conversation. It's not the first time he's done it in John. So he answers them truly. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. He just elevates the conversation. And it's because he doesn't have to guess what they really want. He knows their hearts. John's, that's been a theme in John, that Jesus knows the hearts of people. He knows that they don't really want to talk about the weather or how the sea was or how long he's been there. What they want is food. That's why they have, uh, that's why they have sought him. But Jesus has done this plenty in John. You might remember the woman at the well that's asking, uh, you know, how is it that you can ask me for water? And Jesus says, you know, if you knew who I was and you knew what I have to offer you, you would be asking me for that living water. He elevates the conversation. Or Nicodemus, he, he talks about uh, being born again and seeing the kingdom of God. He elevates the conversation. And that's what he does with this whole huge crowd that's followed him just to get bread is, is he starts to just call out what is true, that they just want the bread for today. And then he starts to, to tell even uh, deeper truth. And he says this, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, for which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Do not work for the food that perishes. 
Don't strive for it. Don't put that first. Don't make your life about the food that only lasts for so long. And we all know what that food is. We all have it. We all have work and worries and and chores and jobs to do. A lot of us sometimes have to think about like, you know, how is it that we're going to grocery shop next week? Or or how is it that we're going to fix this part on our car? And and some of us get into this survival mindset of just surviving each and every day. And, And Lord, will you do this? And Lord, will you do this and and we do have those needs and we do have those and so you could understand why this group of people would want this this meal where they have had an abundance and somebody who can just take some scraps and feed thousands of people uh, I can understand how they would want something and Jesus isn't saying that those things aren't important he's just saying that he has something more important to offer and that's what they should seek that's what they should put their hearts to that's what they should talk to him about that's why they should believe in him. That's what they should pursue. And so um, it says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And let's just talk about this food that endures for eternal life for a minute. The first thing we see is that it does endure to eternal life. You know, food doesn't last. Bread, as good as it is, doesn't last. We just moved recently, uh, praise God. And, uh, you know, when we were packing up our, our house, I discovered some bread that had so I can tell you firsthand, uh, you know, if bread like falls behind the refrigerator or gets, you know, left by, it just gets worse. It gets gross. And what he's saying is, you know, that's, it's, it, it doesn't last forever, but the food that the Son of Man provides does. It endures. It, it can handle the storms of life. It can handle those hardships. It can handle those, those disappointments. It can handle those heartbreaks. It can handle those needs that we have. It, it doesn't worry about those types of things. It takes care of, of those types of things. And, and, and that's what we should seek. That's what Jesus has to offer. And it doesn't just endure. It endures to eternal life. It's forever. There's one day that all of us, our bodies are going to fail. Our strength is going to ultimately run out. It is a long, ugly process a lot of the times. But what the Lord says is that he offers a food that does not perish. It does not get weak. It does not fail. It does not go away. It is always there. It is always reliable no matter how choppy the storm, no matter how tough the situation, the bread of life endures. It endures to eternal life. Secondly, we see that the bread of life is given by the Son of Man. He's the source of the bread. And I know this is also a very simple concept, but but our human desires and our human hearts doubt this all the time, that eternal satisfaction, eternal life, the bread that really endures, comes from Jesus and only Jesus. People turn to all kinds of things for happiness. We turn to all kinds of things for satisfaction. Um, I think sometimes we can look at the things in our Amazon shopping cart, you know. Uh, we can look at the, uh, the things that we think about at night before we, we close our eyes. You know, let me ask you, what, what is the desire of your heart this morning? Well, Jesus knows what that is. He doesn't have to guess what that is. He doesn't have to compile evidence for what that is. And what Jesus says, if you want to be satisfied, if you want that bread that, that doesn't perish, it doesn't fail, it's, it's always with you, it always provides, you find it 
from him and only in him. The bread of life is from the Son of Man. And lastly, we see that it's on him that God the Father has set his seal. That's like a marking in the ancient times where, um, you know, because there was a lot of people who couldn't read and uh, there's a lot of illiteracy that, you know, somebody that owned something or like a document or something like that, they would, they would set a seal on it. They would put a marking on it. And that marking signified a couple things. It signified who it belonged to. And it signified sometimes if, if you had that seal, you had the authority that came with that seal. And that's what Jesus is saying, that, that the Father has sent the Son. He has the seal of the Father. He's authenticated. He's certified. He, he gives the bread of life. He is the bread of life. So what they're searching for, if they're searching for it in the long, wrong reasons, they're going to find the wrong things. And if they're searching from the wrong sources, they're going to find the wrong things because there's only one thing that the Father has set his seal on, and it's Christ. If we're to find the bread of life that endures and satisfies forever, we only find it in Christ. Uh, so there, there are such things as uh, the wrong uh, desires. And, and as we've sort of talked about um, the, the, the crowd that's seeking Jesus isn't seeking the food that satisfies. They're seeking a meal. They're just seeking the next emergency that's come up or the next trial that's come up, and, and that's what they want um, Jesus to do. And he says, you should look for something deeper. Well, a lot of times when you have the wrong desires and you have the wrong foundation to start with, oftentimes you're ready to do the wrong works. And that is kind of where the conversation goes next. And you have to remember what Jesus has said now. What Jesus has said is that there's heavenly bread that will last, that it's the Son of Man who gives it. You don't earn it. The Son of Man gives it uh, to you, and that he is the one that God has set his seal on. But they heard one work, one word, and the word was work. Say that three times fast. Um, so they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered him, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And they hear this good news. They hear that Jesus is the source of satisfaction, of eternal life, of everything that they could need or want. They've seen him demonstrate this. But instead of seeing the sign of that, they just saw an easy way to get bread. So they said, okay, well, what do we have to do to get the bread? I mean, is it that we need to memorize some scripture? Do we need to like stand on one leg? Will you give us the bread we want then? And I know it seems silly, but I think a lot of us do that. We have, we have things we really want and need in life. I think about, you know, uh, man, having a house falling apart. You know, Lord, what do, I, what do I have to do to get you to fulfill this need for me? You know, I'm lonely. Lord, I, I want friends. What do I have to do? What, what, what are you looking for to, to give me what I need? Uh, Lord, I, 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 want to, I want to get married. I want to have a family. Lord, what, what is it that you're looking for? What do I have to do so you'll give me what I want? And, and, but you see, what, what Jesus is saying is that it, it's not work that he's looking for. It's belief. This is the work of God that you believe in him who certified in him who the Father has set his seal on, in him who can give you the real bread that will endure forever. 
that is what uh, the Lord is, is looking for. That is what the Lord desires. You know, um, I found uh, kind of a verse as I was uh, searching, uh, you know, kind of studying this week, and it was out of Isaiah 55. I know a lot of you probably know it, but it really kind of blessed me, and it sort of became like a, a theme verse for me this week. But it, uh, it was, why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in the rich food. See, that's what the Lord wants, is he wants for us to delight in the rich food. He doesn't want us to be in a, in a day-to-day mindset. Even, even if we are in a day-to-day circumstance, we have more than enough in Christ, and that comes by belief. It's a gift. Uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, the gift of God is eternal life. And so, so that starts with belief. Reminds me, years ago, I was a youth pastor, and um, I, I worked at a really liturgical church for a while. Uh, and uh, in eighth grade, it would do something called confirmation. And it was the chance for eighth graders to kind of go through. And it was kind of like a study of the church and the New Testament. And kind of at the end of it, you know, the idea was that they would be confirmed and kind of added as members into the church. Well, that wasn't my background at all. So I was kind of new to learning all of it. And uh, the first couple years, uh, you know, I, I'd get to know the kids and, you know, do Sunday school and youth group and lock-ins and all that stuff. But um, around confirmation time, all of these families would come out of the woodwork and people would say stuff like, hey, pastor, I want to get my kid done. And I remember just being so confused. That sounds awful. What do you mean? You know, like, uh, like I don't, you know, and, and they would say, well, you know, I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to get them through the, the thing. And I'd be like, again, I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and they'd be mad at me. I, I want to get my kid confirmed. Finally, it would come out, right? And I'd be like, oh, who's your kid? Uh, right, and they would tell me, and I'd be like, do you guys go to the church here? Are, are you part of the church here? You know, and, the, and of course, you know, they, they were, they were like a third generation member of the church, you know. And, uh, you know, it just became evident to me that, uh, you know, s- sometimes people weren't worried about the, the fruit and the faith and the, the really the being rooted in the gift of life that comes through Christ. It was about jumping through hoops. It was about going through programs. It was about memorizing certain things and, and checking the right theological boxes. But, but faith comes by belief. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. That's, that's the only way. It's the only way to experience uh, the, the bread of life. And so, so the people today, they're ready for the wrong works. And they're asking, what are the works that you're looking for? And when Jesus tells them about the belief, uh, th- th- their real expectations and desires are revealed. Uh, there were wrong expectations. And so now things get a little more tense. Now they're going to ask him one more question, and it's going to come in the form much more of a challenge. And here's what they say. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Notice that, see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. You know, there's so many interesting things. I mean, they're like, well, show us so we can believe. Prove it and we'll believe it, you know. Uh, And then they also quote scripture at Jesus. 
interestingly enough, uh, you know, there are several Old Testament passages that read something like that. And a lot of the time, they're about how the people didn't believe. Uh, They they were given manna in the wilderness, and and it wasn't enough they grumbled about it. We'll talk about that next week in the the text. It becomes more and more explicit. The the bread was just showing them what they, they really needed. And here they are generations later, and they're like, give us the bread. That was great. Uh, and, so, uh, and so their, their expectations are that Jesus uh, would kind of do these things for them. And so Jesus corrects this type of thinking and, again, elevates the conversation in several ways. First of all, Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Moses didn't give them anything. Moses distributed or, you know, encouraged what the Father was already miraculously giving. It was from the Father, not from Moses. Now, there's a challenge here. If you're the greater Moses, do a greater thing than Moses did. Moses called down bread from heaven. You multiplied bread from earth. There's a challenge there. There was actually rabbinical writings in the time that, that were full of, of sort of that the Messiah was going to come and rain down bread again. And so there's, there's all sorts of things going on here, but, but the, the challenge is nonetheless, Jesus, if you're real, then give me bread. Jesus, if you're real, then do what I'm expecting you to do, or I won't believe, right? And then Jesus continues, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, well, sir, give us this bread always. And so, again, the the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus has come down from heaven. And he doesn't just give life and supply for the Israelites wandering the wilderness. Jesus is life for the world. And, um, and uh, so he's a greater Moses. He's a greater bread. And the Old Testament was just pointing forward to the real need from a greater Moses of greater bread. And that was Jesus. And he said, sir, give us that bread always. But again, that's not the bread they're interested in. So make it rain bread. So what do I have to do so I can get that bite again? You know, uh, again, how, how is the weather anyway? Because I'm really, truly hoping for this bread. There were just the wrong expectations. Uh, you know, and I think what's interesting about some of this is we sort of think about uh, the people today. Um, man, when I sort of writing this sermon, it was like, man, how is this not just so negative? You know, because it's like they just don't, they're not clicking with what he's saying. Uh, it seems like they're just not going to believe whatever he says. He just can't convince them. Uh, their, their hearts just aren't, aren't there. Um, but it's, it's in the gift that Jesus offers. And it's, it's in the gift that's come to us. And, uh, and, and it reminds us how great our need is for Jesus. Uh, there's nobody here that's just not in desperate need for Jesus. I, somebody once read many years ago, talked about it like, you know, being held down at the bottom of a lake and being given a straw to the air. You know, it is that type of need. Without him, there's just, there's not only no eternal life with him, but there's no satisfaction here. 
You never quite find what you're looking for. There's no bread that will satisfy. And so for believers, um, this begins to kind of beg the question, how do we feast in this bread? It reminds me, um, I was on uh, the Billy Graham website, and uh, these, they do this thing where they answer questions that people write in. And when Billy Graham was alive, he would answer uh, some of the questions. And so somebody once wrote in, and they had this neighbor that was uh, always telling them that they need Jesus. And he's like, my neighbor's been telling me forever that I need Jesus, and I don't know what he means. What does he mean that I need Jesus? I'm doing just fine. And so Billy Graham writes back, and he writes kind of what you think he would, you know, about our need of salvation, our need of the free gift of grace that comes from the death and the resurrection, the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It, it, it pays the penalty for our sin. It, 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 it begins our relationship with God, and we're indwelt with this spirit, and, and it endures to eternal life and, and all these things. But, but what I love in Billy Graham and his wisdom continues. And he says, but you also need Jesus for your life right now. You need his guidance, his wisdom, and you also need his comfort and hope when hard times come, and they will. You also need strength to avoid temptation that will destroy you. And you need his help to live as you should, and by a simple prayer of faith, you can turn to Jesus and give your life to him today. It just sounds like Billy Graham. Um, and it's true. Uh, there is a need that we have for Jesus every day. Uh, but there's an invitation to feast on Jesus every day too. In him we have more than we could need. And so I wanted to close our time kind of thinking about this, uh, this awkward conversation with the crowd today. And what does it mean to really feast on Jesus for us today? What does it mean for our week? What does it mean for your evening tonight to feast on Jesus? And sort of just reflecting on uh, today, I would just offer a few things. Number one, that you would let him be the first desire of your heart. All of us have desires of the heart, and our hearts, Scripture says, are tricky, wicked, <laughs> and uh, they're hard to pin down. They do not fool Jesus, but our hearts can fool us. And so I think it has been very good for me in kind of studying this passage to kind of search my own heart a little bit. What are the things that I really desire? What are the things I really want right now? I found I did not have to search too hard. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I know what I think about. I know the types of things I want. Some of them are good. That's the thing. Some of us have great desires. But when he's the first desire, when he comes first in your life, when your life is built on him, he's your absolute foundation, the other desires have this weird way of falling in line. Have you ever experienced that? Sometimes you're going through these complicated situations. Who can have any wisdom for these types of situations? But when our desire is Christ and our desire is to know him and please him and serve him, oh, those things fall into place. There's, there's other desires just, and, and some of them we need to completely forsake. Some of them he needs to inform. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your hearts. Psalm 37 also says that we should trust him, that we should commit our ways to him, that we should be still before him, and that we should not worry or fret we shouldn't be concerned when people who are evil and unjust are getting ahead in life and we're still trying to figure out how to fix our car. 
And we don't have to worry about that because our desire is Christ and he gives the desire of the heart. And Psalm 51 says to create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so the, the wonderful news about him being the desire of the heart is this. He helps you with it. He, he does it with you. And he teaches you and he guides you and, and he does work that only he can do. And he changes your heart. And it starts to change the things you, you really live for and the things that you most want. Because Jesus elevates your thinking. Secondly, I would say, let him guide your work. The crowd today, you know, wanted to work for Jesus, but they wanted to do it in their own wisdom. They wanted to do it on their own strength. They wanted to do it with their own might. And scripture is just full of this truth that that will never get you far. Our strength fails. Just again and again and again, our, 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 our minds fail, our hearts fail, our emotions fail. Uh, we can't trust ourselves. We have to let him absolutely guide our week. I've been experiencing this a little bit lately. Uh, a lot of you guys know, um, you know, we just moved back into our house. And, uh, you know, we've been, that's a lot. It's a lot of work to move. It's a lot of work to remodel a house. Well, some of, and uh, a lot of you guys who kind of been following me and Anna, you know, our family's been going through a lot anyway. Uh, and, and there was one day in particularly over the last month where, uh, you know, I think we were moving some boxes and it had been a long day and a pretty restless night. And, um, and you know, there was just, there was the kids and there was all the stuff with the house and finishing up with all the contracting stuff. And, you know, I was just tired. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that recently where you're just tired. You start to feel your patience dwindle. You know what I'm talking about, right? You start to hear the things coming out of your mouth and you're like, oh, that was not how I meant it to come out of my mouth, you know? And so, you know, and I think it was just the Lord, but it just kind of was led into this time of just like kind of sneaking away for a minute and just, Lord, I need your help. I am exhausted, and I don't want to miss what you have for me today. I, I want to be the person you want. For, can, will you please help me? You know, will you just get me through today? And, you know, the weirdest thing happened. The day flew by, and by the end of the day, I somehow, you know, had taken the kids to the park. We got everything we needed to get done that day and more. Um, you know, uh, we were given a grill, and so I grilled everybody dinner. Uh, I've been grilling a lot. Dad bod is, like, happening quick, uh, you know, uh, and but it was just, it was one of those things where it was like, man, Lord, you really do take scraps, you know, and multiply them. You really do give strength where there's no strength. You give wisdom where there's no wisdom. Uh, you know, you give ability where there's no ability. You give gifting where there's no gifting. As a ministry leader, I see it weekend after weekend after weekend. How is the Lord going to meet this need? And slowly, I'm learning that I don't have to worry and I don't have to fret because God always meets our needs. We can trust him. You know, and so I think we get that, that peace of mind when he's our desire, but when he informs our work. And notice one more thing about that. We're not called to not work. We're not called to quit our jobs and be lousy parents and be lazy because Jesus has taken care of everything. In fact, I think the New Testament calls us in to constantly working. We just do it with a different strength. We do it with a different leadership in our life. We do it with a relationship with the Lord. We do it with the filling of the Holy Spirit, and He begins to work in our life. He begins to restore us and renew us, and, and those things are just called fruit, and they come out from your life, and all of a sudden, you know, um, you're being used for, for ministry and blessing people, but Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branch and whoever abides in him uh, and he in him bears much fruit, but apart from him, we can do nothing. 
Uh, and so we just work and we burn out and we get tired and we get frustrated and we get angry and we get disappointed. Uh, and so we let him guide our work. I don't know what the work God has called you into this week, what situations and what storms you're facing, but I know he'll get you through it. Let him guide your work. That's been really encouraging to me uh, the last few weeks. Uh, one more thing, and it's let him inform your expectations. And I think that really is the renewing of the mind that comes with the Spirit. Uh, let, let God fill your mind with himself. Let him fill your heart with himself. You know, the, the call of the Bible is to feast on the rich food. Right? We're not supposed to be starving people in that way. We are supposed to—our our needs are met in Christ. Uh, that, that's why, you know, Paul talks about, like, he can have plenty or he, he can have nothing. He's learned to be content, right? He can do all things, and it's, but it's the strength of Christ in, in life. Uh, and, and that's us, too. You know, we can, we can be down, and we can be down on our luck and going through hard thing after hard thing, but, but we have the strength of the Lord, and, and it guides our life, and it informs our life. And so, so we let him inform our expectations. Of, of what our life should be like, what our circumstances should be like, what our families should like. Uh, we, we look to him uh, for those things. Uh, here's an encouraging passage, and we'll close with this. Uh, but Psalm 25, 4 and 5 says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truths and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. You know, uh, the Psalms are just full of that, you know, you, you just don't always have what you think you need right when you think you need it. But, you know, there's just something about knowing the Lord and knowing that you can depend on him and knowing that you can trust him and you know he's going to provide just the right thing at just the right time. But I think we have to learn to let him teach us. I think we have to learn to let him lead us. And he does that. He's a shepherd. He is a teacher. Uh, he's, he, he makes disciples, you know, out of us. And so he takes us in all kinds of situations. Maybe some of you are really blessed right now. Maybe some of you are really struggling right now. But the one thing in common is that the Lord is teaching us. He's teaching us more about who he is. He's teaching us all the time that we can trust him and we can depend on him. And it's because Jesus is the bread of life. He is the good bread. And we have more than enough of that good bread, and we are called to feast on that bread. And so I want to encourage you today to be people who feast on that good bread. Uh, you know, I don't know if you feel hungry or thirsty today. I don't know exactly where you are or if you're feeling disappointed today, but I do know that there is an invitation in Scripture to feast on the good bread. And so I want to encourage you with that um, notion today that you can feast on Christ. Uh, we're going to worship, and we're going to respond in a song together. And before we do, uh, why don't we just pray uh, together? Lord, we just thank you that we have all that we need in you. And Lord, that you are our strength. Lord, you, you do renew our minds, and you do restore us. Lord, you pick us up when we're down. I know that there are people in this room who probably need picked up today, uh, people in this room who need encouragement today, uh, people in this room that need reminded to keep the main thing the main thing and to keep you our first desire. And Lord, I pray that you would be that for us. I pray that you would stir our hearts this week and that you might be the very first desire in our hearts, Lord, that you would give us an appetite and a taste for the good bread. Lord, help us to be people who would feast on that good bread this week. In Jesus' name, amen.